The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to have you all here, but I'm even more excited for our guest today. She is the CEO of of Starboard Equity, Miss Rebecca Moore. Rebecca, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Cody. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I truly appreciate you coming on board. I've been a wealth of knowledge already. I learned what Starboard means, I'm pretty sure. But I love I, lo- I love the name and, and what it means for you guys. So for those that may be hearing your name uh, in your voice for the first time, hopefully not in seeing your face, but would love to get your origin story for our audience, where you're from, how you got into real estate and what you really find yourself doing these days. I am currently living in Dallas, Texas. However, previously, just a year ago, I was living in San Diego, California, because my husband was the commander of ships and squadrons in the Navy. And so we were stationed out in San Diego. And that is where my story begins. And my husband, Warren, being in the Navy, he would buy single family homes where he was stationed. And so as we were getting closer to the retirement from the Navy, we were saying to ourselves, gosh, you know, what are we going to do with all these homes? We're not so sure if we want to sell them all and buy our big retirement home or if we wanted to get a sixplex or an eightplex or something like that. And that's when a friend told us about multifamily syndications and it sort of blew our mind, but we got ourselves a mentor and he was based in Dallas. And we began to learn the scalability vice having all these single family homes, which were in different states in in the U.S. And so that began me. I was a clinical psychologist also working at the Navy um, on the Navy bases. And my husband, of course, was active duty. I began to go to Dallas to learn multifamily syndication. And from there, our business went gangbusters and we eventually moved here to Dallas and it has continued to blossom as we are able to get more buildings here in Dallas and in Houston. I love it. I absolutely love the origin story. I say it often that it's so interesting when we have guests like yourself come on that come from such diverse backgrounds that didn't have, you know, necessarily the the real estate upbringing, but you found yourself a, as a real estate person with the single family homes that y'all had, and then ultimately mm-hmm. leveraged that knowledge into finding multifamily and now a budding, a very good multifamily business. So that is, that is so awesome. And I think it's encouraging for our audience that's listening. As much as I would love to talk about all the good stuff, we're a little bit on the upside down of that on talking about the unsuccessful stuff. But so I can't imagine everything's been just perfect and smooth sailing on every single deal. So would love to hear maybe one of the lessons, unsuccessful lessons that you learned or had to go through to get to where you are today and have the knowledge and the brand that you do. I think that I'd like to start with talking about out-of-state syndication asset management and talking about management companies 
oftentimes they will tell you in the beginning, you know, we don't want you to be too hands-on. We don't want you, you know, there at the property too much. Don't get in our way or else we're going to fire you. I want to encourage everyone to trust but verify, but also be in the books. One example is that when we were living in California and we'd sponsored in Texas numerous times is really keeping track of everything that goes on in your property. And some people might be saying, well, of course, Rebecca, but I do mean everything. So one example is we had a manager at one of our properties. And basically, I noticed we were paying a lot for paint. Mm. And although we were 96 to 99% occupied, there was a lot of paint going on. And so I got into the weeds. And this really is into the weeds, folks. So when it comes to asset management, you can choose to be in it or not. But here's what I found. The manager had hired family members. And I don't know if she was fudging it or not, but it ended up that the same unit was getting painted supposedly over and over again. I caught that because I kept going and saying, why is this unit or these units getting mm-hmm. painted over and over again? Lo and behold, we found a whole mess of what she was doing with family members and so had to be let go. But if it wasn't for me being in the weeds from California, I think she thought, oh, these people aren't paying attention, but we were. Right. And so that, you know, it's, it, it might be pennies. It doesn't matter. I want those pennies to go to my investors, not to this person who is being fraudulent. In my eyes, I mean, I, I have, we, we didn't prosecute or anything, but right. that was something to be very, very careful about because I choose to asset manage closely, even though I was in a different state. So now that we're here, let me tell you about another bullet that we just dodged. Again, my husband, a Navy Navy captain, uh, knows his ships very, very well, as many of, I know, the mechanics out there from all the, and all the military folks out there, you know your machines head to toe. So does my husband when it comes to our apartment buildings. Well, Recently, we had a call that the hot water was uh, no longer hot at one of our properties that has hot water boilers only for the entire 100 unit. As part of our business plan, we replaced the hot water boiler when we first bought the building, which was just two years ago. So we got the call over the weekend saying, hey, there's no hot water. You guys need to buy a brand new boiler and that's going to cost you from twenty to $30,000. And this was oh, wow. my regional as well as my maintenance regional calling me from the property management saying, we, we need this right away. Well, luckily we do live here in Dallas. And my husband went down to the property and said, no, we do not. We called the owner of the company that installed the boiler because we we're friends with them and, and we have now close contact with him. And he said, no, let me get a guy out there right away. And it was a $500 fix. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't. So just trust, but verify, mm-hmm. but be a bit in the weeds get your hands a little dirty. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, well, sorry, Rebecca, you know, I don't know anything about a boiler. 
Understood. But I think you do know that if you bought one two years ago, you probably don't need to replace it. So don't take their word for it. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's a great point. I don't know the first thing about boilers. I will be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm that person, but mm -hmm. I'm in, I'm in that camp that, okay, this is two years old. You're telling me I have to replace it. I would at least think, get a second opinion on yes. something that's going to cost you 20, $30,000. Yes. Um, why not get a second opinion? Even if it costs you $500 to get a second opinion and it, you found out it only costs $500 repair, at least you're only in the whole $1,000 versus at minimum 20. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So to me, I love the idea and, and we've definitely heard it before on the show, the trust, but verify. And I think it needs to be magnified, especially if you're an out-of-state investor looking at other areas, knowing the business, like the back of your hand and not necessarily, I don't think that means micromanage the people managing your property, but there's a difference between micromanaging and understanding your business and the numbers that go into it. And I think those are completely two different things. Yes. Yes. Giving them the, the leeway to do their job. Yes. Mm -hmm. But absolutely stepping in when things don't make sense, as well as, you know, again, we're, we're at our properties here in Dallas and Houston as often as we feel like we want to be, but we don't nitpick or, or give them any grief. If anything, we're there to show, show some love, uh, you know, mm -hmm. take them out to dinner, whatever, definitely going through the numbers and making sure, you know, the equipment that they're talking about that we have at least some idea and not just say, oh, sure, we'll blow another 30 grand. Right. That's my investor's money. So let me ask you this, Rebecca, if you don't mind, as you've been going along in this process, I would imagine and maybe, maybe so, maybe not, I'm not sure, but I would imagine you have something that helps you track this. Did you have something that helped you track expenses or how the property was being managed out the gate that somebody provided you, maybe your mentor group or whatever, or did y'all develop something over time that helped y'all keep track of all the different expenses and operations that go into actually maintaining the property? Well, luckily, the property management companies that we use use a program that has all the expenses, et cetera, on it, income and expenses. So it's already laid out quite nicely. What I have had to do as both an LP and a GP is learn how to read them and understand them. So that was really great for myself. I started out as a, a passive investor, and that's where I, my sponsors would always give us all the financials, especially what's called the T12, where you see every month of the year and what the expenses and the income are. And I would taught myself because me, I'm a social scientist, right? I'm a, I got a PhD in clinical psychology, not in finance. But the one thing is, we do know that I know how to learn, right. all right? I know how to teach myself. So that is what I did as an LP. And so when I became a GP, I was very familiar. Not only that, is that when you're looking for your first deal, second and third, you must comb through those numbers intensely and make sure that you know what you're looking at, what you're talking about. So answer is I don't have any certain formula but because the property management gives it to me already. Well, and I, and I just I, need to look. 
Yeah. And I love that because I don't know if every property manager has something like that. So that's a great question for our audience. If you're investing as an LP, that they should be able to provide you that data, T12 and so on and so forth. But as a GP, that's a great question when you're interviewing property managers. How do they track it? Do they provide it for you? Or do you need something to help track it on on your side? So Mm -hmm. I I think that's a great question to ask because one of the other common themes is finding the right property manager that that and construction always seem to be coming up around troublesome spots that if you don't have the right partner in that area, it can cause some of the most catastrophic issues when operating a property. I don't know if you would echo that, but that's at least what we hear a lot of times. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And having the management company on your side as your team is something that just keeps you having a better night's sleep. And when you can trust them as much as possible and knowing what they're really, that they're really doing it right for you. But again, always, always checking. Help me with that. Cause I think there may be some people listening and I'm interested as well. You're building this relationship with a property manager. You feel like you found the right one, but there's definitely a give and take between you again, not micromanaging, let them do what they're really good at. That's why you hired them, but then also validating what they're doing on that. So how do you, how do you strike that balance in, in, as the relationship continues to blossom and you're learning to work with each other? Do you have any tips or tricks for our audience on, on finding the, and striking that balance with letting them go and do their thing, but also making validating and upholding your standard along the way? Yes, I think that when you have weekly meetings with your regional or supervisor, depending on what they call it, your regional manager, not your manager, not your leasing manager who sits in the office, but the person who supervises them, when they know that you've done your homework and you see everything that's going on on the property, they will speak to you in more detail than if you don't. So I think that's the tip there. You have to do your homework to make sure that they're doing theirs. So you can properly, let's say, highlight what needs to be done or what your expectations are. Speaking of expectations, when they know what yours are, they'll, they try to perform to that, yeah, to that I, I level. Would, and I would imagine if a lot of times I would imagine people get in trouble if they're not setting proper expectations and then hold the property managers accountable to unspoken or unre- expectations they didn't actually re- relate. I would imagine Absolutely. that's how a relationship gets very tumultuous very quickly. Absolutely. You, you need to let them know what your expectations are because they've let you know what your theirs are of you. Don't give <laughs> us grief. Right. It's a, it's a mutual respect. They might need and, some. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. Well, Rebecca, that's probably a good enough spot as ever to wrap up. I, I can't thank you enough. I absolutely love what you're talking about because I think it's imperative with a lot of people continuing to invest, invest out of state that they trust but verify, whether it's with contractors, maintenance, or their property managers. You got to understand, to your point, you have to understand your business and the property and be able to relay that information to the folks helping you out along the way. So thank you so much for joining us. For those that maybe want to work with you, partner with you, invest with you, where's the best place folks can find you at? Great. At our website at starboardequity.com. That's S-T-A-R-B-O-A-R-D equity.com. 
you can join the Starboard Equity Club also for free. And you can get our information on how you can close the gap between your retirement now and the retirement that you dreamed of, as well as find out about opportunities that we have for investors as soon as they come out. That's awesome. We'll drop that link in the show notes for everyone to quickly access it. So you can go and join. I highly recommend it. Uh, Rebecca, honestly, thank you so much for joining us today. It's truly been a pleasure talking with you before we hit record and even, and even more so now. Great. Thank you so much, Cody. It's been great. Absolutely. Hey, and everyone, thanks for listening and watching at home. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.